Theology is supposed to be biblical, accurate, accessible, passionate, and practical. It's supposed to help us love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. It's supposed to help us love the God who is there, not a God of our own imagination. But how do we do theology? What's the process? How do we make sure it's biblical? How do we make sure it's accurate? How do we make sure that we're not carried away by wrong ideas about God? And how can we make sure that theology is practical? That's what we're thinking about today in this episode of Thinking Theology. We're going to be thinking about the different kinds or aspects of theology and how knowing and understanding those helps us to do theology and read the Bible better. Hi, my name's Carl Denick. I'm a pastor, theologian, writer, and Bible college lecturer. Welcome to Thinking Theology, a podcast where we think about theology, the Bible, and the Christian life, not just for the sake of it, but so we can love God more with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. What does theology involve? We know it involves the Bible, but how do we get from the individual verses of the Bible to knowing and understanding God? How do we do that carefully and accurately? In order to understand that question, it's helpful to distinguish five different aspects or areas of theology. Those areas are exegetical theology, biblical theology, historical theology, and practical theology. First then, what's exegetical theology? Exegetical theology is an awful name really, but exegetical theology or exegesis simply means the study of a particular passage or text. It's reading the passage carefully to understand what it says. In fact, the theologian Don Carson calls this step careful reading. We have to see what the passage actually says, not just what we think it says. We also have to read the passage within its context. We can't just go to a verse and read it on its own without looking at the situation in which it was said. To take an obvious example, we can't go to Genesis 3 verse 2 and read, you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden and you must not touch it or you will die. We can't read that verse and think that the application for us is that we can never eat from any tree that's in the centre of a garden. No, that command was given to Adam and Eve. It was a command for then and there. We can't directly apply that command to us. That command still teaches us something about God, ourselves and the world. But first we have to understand the command that God gave to Adam and Eve in its original setting. Exegetical theology starts by asking the question, What did the passage mean to those people there? What did it mean to the people to whom it was first written? The other reason we can't simply take Genesis 3 verse 2 and apply it to ourselves is that Eve misquotes God. If we don't read the whole passage carefully, and the passage here starts back in chapter 2, then we won't realise that part of what Eve said was wrong. And that's telling us something as well. So reading a passage carefully and in its original setting is absolutely crucial for the task of theology. If we don't read the Bible carefully, we'll end up misunderstanding, misknowing, and misrepresenting God. The foundation of all theology that we do 
is reading and understanding individual passages within the Bible. Those passages are the building blocks of theology. The next kind of theology is biblical theology. Sometimes biblical theology is understood to mean simply theology that is biblical. In that sense, of course, all theology should be biblical. But biblical theology as a technical description refers to understanding the overarching storyline of the Bible and how all the various pieces fit together, which is another way of saying that every passage needs to be understood not only within its immediate context and original setting, but also within its context within that book of the Bible, within its context in history, and within its context in the Bible as a whole. Biblical theology seeks to understand how things have developed and been fulfilled in the history of the Bible. It answers questions like, why don't we follow the Old Testament sacrificial laws? Exegetical theology on its own won't tell you that. Studying passages in Leviticus by themselves won't give you the answer to how those sacrifices are fulfilled in Jesus. You'll need to read other parts of the Bible, like Hebrews, to understand that. But you won't just have to read the New Testament. Even in the Old Testament, David can say in Psalm 51, You do not delight in sacrifice, or I would bring it. Already in the Old Testament, God is saying something about the limitations and inadequacy of animal sacrifice. Or take another example. In the beginning of the Bible, in creation, God sets a pattern of six days work followed by one day rest. That pattern is then explicitly given as a commandment for the people in Exodus 20 when God gives the Ten Commandments. In fact, breaking the Sabbath becomes so serious that it would result in the person being stoned. But then Paul can say in Romans 13 that keeping the Sabbath as a religious festival is a matter of indifference. Some people think that it's important, and others don't. And then the writer of Hebrews says that the Sabbath is a picture of something still in the future. Understanding how all those views of the Sabbath fit together is the task of biblical theology. Often the way we understand biblical theological ideas is by fitting them within the overall storyline of the Bible, the storyline of creation, fall, redemption, and new creation. Sabbath has a function within creation that changes a bit after the fall into sin. The redemption that comes through Jesus' death and resurrection changes things again. And then the new creation that is fully established at Jesus' return changes things still again. In my view, biblical theology is the most difficult part of theology to do because it takes knowing lots of different parts of the Bible all at once. The next kind of theology is systematic theology. Systematic theology is about systems. It's about drawing all the threads together and gathering all the Bible's ideas into subject areas. You might wonder why we need to do that. Surely we can just use the Bible itself. But eventually you have to start summarising and condensing things. In fact, you probably do that without even knowing it. To give an example, think of the doctrine of the Trinity. You can't go to one Bible verse to study the Trinity. That doesn't mean it's not true. Instead, the doctrine of the Trinity is woven throughout the whole Bible. You can go to Genesis 1, where we're told that God made the heavens by speaking while the Spirit hovered over the waters. Later in John 1 and Colossians 2, we come to understand that the Father was creating through the Word or through the Son. 
and other parts of the Bible tell us that the Spirit was the animating power. But you also won't find the actual word Trinity on any page of the Bible, because it's a word that we've created to label what the Bible describes. That's okay, that's how language works. We use language to summarise and describe ideas, and sometimes we invent new words to do that. Trinity is simply a word that summarises the theological idea that there is one God, but somehow also three persons, Father, Son, and Spirit, each distinct, and yet the three are one. Those ideas are clearly in the Bible, but no one text or Bible book summarises them like that. Now, in order for systematic theology to be accurate, we obviously need to have done our exegetical theology and biblical theology well. But we also have to have studied quite broadly what the Bible has to say on a topic. Systematic theology uses two kinds of logic. It uses what's called inductive logic and deductive logic. Deductive logic is where we draw conclusions based on things we know to be true already. So, hot metal is soft, therefore, if I heat this metal rod up, it will become soft. Inductive logic, on the other hand, which doesn't have anything to do with stoves, inductive logic is where you assemble a mass of data and you draw conclusions from it about how things work. So if I heat up lead 10 times and find each time that it melts at 372.5 degrees Celsius, then I can conclude that the melting point of lead is 372.5 degrees Celsius. In systematic theology, induction comes before deduction. Before we can draw conclusions, we need to have gathered all the biblical data. If we don't gather all the biblical data first, we'll end up drawing the wrong conclusions. For example, in Luke 10, Jesus sends out the 72 disciples. He tells them not to take anything with them, no purse or bag or sandals, but to rely on people to provide for them along the way. You might read that passage and conclude that Jesus wants us to do the same when we send out missionaries. They should go without any money or bags or clothes. They should just trust that God will provide. The problem is that later in Luke 22, Jesus says to his disciples, but now if you have a purse, take it and also a bag. And if you don't have a sword, sell your cloak and buy one. In other words, the situation's changed. Now they should take along with them whatever they have. If your induction or your survey of the biblical data is not thorough enough, you'll end up drawing the wrong conclusions. The next kind of theology is historical theology. Historical theology is about understanding how Christians throughout history have understood the Bible and tried to apply it to their age. Understanding the Bible is not a solitary task, but a task rightly done in community, and not just the church community today, but the church throughout history. Historical theology is useful for two reasons. First, historical theology can help to put useful constraints on our interpretations of the Bible. If we think the Bible is saying something that no one else has ever thought before, it should make us stop and seriously question whether we're wrong. Just because no one has ever thought something before doesn't mean that it is wrong, but it's certainly a good warning that it probably is. 
Second, historical theology can help us to see things that we might otherwise be blind to. Every society, culture, and age has its own blindness to certain truths. But understanding how Christians through history and in different cultures have understood theological ideas can help to show us things that we might otherwise miss. But there's a serious danger in historical theology too. It's important to understand that unlike exegetical, biblical, and systematic theology, historical theology is not authoritative. You can't base your theology on what Calvin or Luther said. It has to be based on the Bible. Sadly, some theology degenerates into simply quoting other theologians. But that's not a good way of doing theology. And yet, nevertheless, knowing what Calvin and Luther and many others said can still be enormously helpful. The last kind of theology is practical theology. Practical theology is concerned with taking the truth we discover in the Bible and then applying that to the situations of life. As I said in the last episode of Thinking Theology, unless theology is practical, it's not good theology. So practical theology is an important step in doing theology. Practical theology can begin with the Bible. So we might read one of Paul's prayers in the Bible and that might teach us how to pray and the things that we can pray for. On the other hand, practical theology can take us to the Bible with questions. So we might not know how to pray and so we go to the Bible in search of an answer. In our study, we might find one of Paul's prayers or we might find the Lord's Prayer, and then studying those prayers will shape and inform our praying too. But practical theology isn't just about doing. Practical theology, as is often said, addresses the head, heart, and hands. Practical theology gives us truths to be believed and trusted. It gives us things to be loved and hated. And it gives us actions to do or not do. So we need to carefully read and understand individual passages of the Bible. We need to understand how those passages fit within the big story of the Bible. We need to survey the whole Bible and draw the Bible's ideas together into subject areas. We need to understand how Christians throughout history have understood the Bible. And we need to understand how theological truths ought to change the way we live. But the final question to consider is how these different areas of theology relate. It's not that we pick one area and stick with that. You can't say, well, I'm a biblical theologian. I don't care about practical theology. And you can't say, I just care about individual passages. Don't give me any of this systematic theology rubbish. Because in the end, even if you don't write it down, you'll end up categorizing and systematizing the Bible's ideas in your head. And you'll end up trying to apply those ideas to your life. And you'll interact at one level or another with the ideas that other people have or have had. All those things are theological activities of one kind or another. In other words, all these areas of theology are interrelated. You need them all. And often you can't help doing one without straying into the others. But the relationship between these areas of theology is also not as simple as saying that we do exegetical theology first, then move to biblical theology, then to systematic theology, and so on. Sometimes practical theology will come first. 
As we've seen, sometimes we'll have a question like, should I be a vegetarian? And we'll come to the Bible studying that question. Sometimes we'll read what another Christian in history has said, and we'll come to the Bible with a question of whether or not that's right. So in practice, we often move between one kind of theology and another all the time. And when we're seeking to understand the Bible or seeking to understand a theological question, we'll need to constantly move between the different kinds of theology and look at the question from those different perspectives. And importantly too, all these steps are not just steps of theology, they're steps of reading the Bible. We haven't really understood a passage of the Bible until we've read it carefully, seen how it fits within the big story of the Bible, understood how its ideas relate with other theological ideas from the Bible, understood how other faithful Christians besides us have understood that passage, and finally applied the teachings of that passage to our own heart and life. Well, that's all we have time for in this episode. Thanks so much for listening. Next time we'll be thinking about essential and non-essential theology. Is there such a thing? And if so, how do we tell the difference? Please join me then. Thank you.